Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about something a bit different. I was originally going to talk about episodes 159 through 161, but the One Piece YouTube channel just released a five part short drama series titled We Are One in celebration of One Piece's release of its 100th manga volume, as well as the broadcast of episode 1000 later this year in November. And so, yeah, after having seen these、uh, little short movies, On the、uh, One Piece YouTube channel leading up to the week of when 100, Volume 100 was released, I really enjoyed these so much that I just wanted to talk about them. So, yeah, these will be, there will be spoilers here as they kind of cherry pick from different moments throughout the series to sort of theme each episode around. And so I'll be talking about some、um, particularly spoilery things. So, Definitely, it covers the whole gamut of what's released right now from all the way from episode one to episode 990, I guess, where we are in Wano right now. So, just a fair warning about that. This episode is going to be pretty unscripted for the most part, just me rambling on emotionally about One Piece and, and these little movie shorts and just kind of like my memories around having grown up with One Piece over the years because. The experiences, while not as dramatic as the ones experienced by the characters in these sort of short drama episodes, you know, I definitely can relate to them quite a bit because of how big of an impact this series has had on my life in very similar ways. So, first off, the entire series, the five part series, is directed by Mika Ninagawa, who I don't really know much about, but apparently she's a pretty famous director in Japan. I haven't really kept up with Japanese cinema or Japanese dramas in a long time, probably not since like the early to mid 2000s. So I don't really know much about the landscape of the cinema you know, of Japan, but she seems, from the little research I did, she seems like a pretty big name and it's a pretty big get for, for One Piece to get a, a director of her caliber to do the shorts. And she. From these, just these five little episodes, she is an amazing director. Like, each, each part is, has got its like, own identity, yet also looks so gorgeous. Like, it somehow manages to capture the sort of the, the colorfulness of One Piece in a real life setting. Like, the way she lights each scene, you know, each scene or places each character, and the lighting and the coloring of each episode. Is really amazing, like especially the first episode and then the fourth episode, as well as the fifth one. You just see so much color and vibrancy that you get the same sense that it, yeah, it does relate to One Piece and the world that One Piece inhabits. And it's pretty incredible, like her directing. And not only that, just the way she's able to convey so much emotion in each episode, like. I kid you not, each, all five episodes made me tear up. I mean, obviously, I'm pretty biased to the subject matter, but I think, yeah, they, they really capture that sort of emotional part of One Piece and, and how special it is to those of us who have followed it or who just maybe have gotten into it recently. You know, if you've, if you've gone through the entire story of One Piece up to now or even just halfway, It's still an amazingly emotional journey, and she, she somehow managed to capture that in just sort of like these short 10 to 12 minute you know, movies. But yeah, the, so the We Are One shorts, they follow a story of four One Piece fans in the real world. They're not actually real, they're characters, but you know, they're, they're set in the real world. 
Um, so they have both live action and animated elements. So interwoven throughout each episode is um, a theming around a specific moment or a specific character in in One Piece. And so during that, the characters recall these specific moments, and those are actually shown in reanimated format. So they'll take uh, moments from the original series and reanimate them to sort of fit within the the episode. And these moments are animated so beautifully. Like, it's almost like, did Toei actually do these animations? Because they are done so well. You can tell that they put a lot of care, effort, and money into this because of how well these short segments are animated. And it almost makes me wish, like, at some point when One Piece is over, they do sort of like a Dragon Ball Kai type of situation where they go back and... Not just with well, Kai didn't actually reanimate the series, but they sort of condensed it down to a good pacing. But I hope they do like a full-on reboot, reanimate the, the whole series with good pacing and amazing animation, kind of in this style. Like because One Piece deserves better animation. Like the whole series would look so amazing if it was animated like some of these smaller segments in these shorts. But that's a whole other topic. But yeah, it, it's it's pretty cool how they weave together both the live action and the animated portions to sort of reflect the overall theme of each episode. And speaking of themes, there is an actual theme song to these shorts. It's called Twilight, which was written and performed by Radwimps, um, which is a J-pop band. And they're for me, they're most famous for singing the themes to uh, Makoto Shinkai's movies Your Name and Weathering With You. I particularly love the theme to Your Name. The um, I believe the song title was called Sparkle. And that song is amazing. And they do an amazing job with Twilight as well. It's got this like sort of auto-tune um, kind of sound to it. But I don't know. The melody to this song is just so inspiring. And it, and it plays in every episode when, when it gets to that sort of the emotional apex of each, each um, episode. And yeah, anytime that theme comes up, you just start to like tear up because it's so it so perfectly captures the sort of like happy go lucky yet emotionally grounded sort of feeling that one piece tends to invoke in sort of its big moments and i've been listening to this song like on repeat ever since i started watching these short films and again i have like i said i haven't really been keeping up with sort of the cinema and and j-drama scene in japan but from again from what i understand is that they got a lot of pretty famous actors to come in and do these scenes um people like kengo kora who plays wataru in the first one and a bunch of other people who all give amazing performances throughout the episodes throughout the episodes and yeah i don't i kind of want to go through each one and just sort of talk about each one and what I thought about them, what I liked about them, and just sort of the general theming of each one. So, scene one, which is called Wataru the Entrepreneur, follows these two two guys starting out a sort of like a software or like a mobile app company. And one of them, um, Hamabe, is the sort of the the tech side of things he does the web or the the software development and programming whereas wataru is the sort of the face of the company and he does a lot of the fundraising and sort of the business schmoozing and whatnot and they sort of like work together to create this company 
And over time, their relationship kind of like sours a bit because they just don't see eye to eye in a lot of ways and their personalities just don't match up. And you probably know where, where I'm going with this. And the parallel and the, the, the sort of the lesson and theme that this episode goes along with revolves around Zoro and Sanji's relationship where they work together pretty well as a team, but personality-wise, they just clash so hard and they do not get along very well. And a lot of times it takes them a long time to sort of realize that they need to work together. And if they ever do, they are an unstoppable combo. And you sort of see that throughout this uh, episode as Hamabe finally just cannot stand Wataru because of just how you know, controlling and, and kind of arrogant he is. And so they go their separate ways and Hamabe tries to start doing some fundraising on his own for, you know, to start his own, you know, software company, but ends up failing as he can't seem to schmooze people as well as Wataru can. And Wataru is struggling with his business as there's a lot of bugs apparently in that app, but none of the current software developers and he can solve any of them. And without Hamabe they they're kind of dead in the water because they can't fix the app and so yeah we see wataru kind of go back to hamabe and they're you know they patch things up and this is where we get the moment where they reminisce about the scene in Longling Longland. oh boy that's a hard one to say but during the debut back fight in the first round or no the second round where they do the um grokki ball and sanji and zoro have to work together to to beat them and they do the they do the combo, and for the for a while they're just constantly fighting and fighting and fighting. And during that, they can't get anything right, and they get beat. They're getting beat up, hella bad. And then finally, when they're all when they're both down on the ground, there's that epic moment where they're just lying next to each other. And Zoro asks, you know, hey Cook, give me ten seconds. And Sanji agrees, like that seems like an appropriate amount of time. And then they launch that combo attack and they work together and they just demolish the other team. And yeah, it, it kind of reminisces about that. And the idea, you know, the, the lesson being that, yeah, you may not see eye to eye and you may not get along with everybody, but if you work together and put aside your differences, you can still come together and make something really great happen, you know, as long as you just sort of cooperate and, and and be be somewhat of, of of a team player and i love that message you know i personally don't really have too many issues working with different types of people but you know there are people that kind of grate on you whether it be a team project during school or with work and sometimes yeah you just need to put put your differences aside and work towards that goal and i like that lesson and i gotta admit man the way they animate the the final attack, the Aromedoledo power shoot, where Zoro basically lands on Sanji's leg and kicks Zoro all the way across the field. And the way that's animated with the red background and just all the lines, it looks amazing. But yeah, this is a really strong opening episode and it's probably my third favorite, which leads me to my next one, scene two called Minami's Challenge. This one follows a young woman who, obviously named Minami, she is living with her fiancé and she works as a chef at what seems like a high-end restaurant, but she has dreams of opening up her own sort of um, sweet shop or 
bakery whatnot and her husband or fiance i mean kind of just uh is is a very unsupportive and lazy guy who sits there reading one piece all the time and doesn't really clean up around the house and it gets to a point where she you know day after day she comes home and just sort of he's just always expecting her to you know wait on him hand and foot and she eventually raises the idea of you know starting her own business her own sweet shop and he just flat out dismisses it and doesn't even really give it one second of thought and just completely shuts her down which is really sad to see and I think it's like the next day or a couple days later you see her cleaning the house and you know she remembers how her fiance was reading one piece and he's like you really haven't lived until you read one piece so she just kind of like sits there and actually starts reading One Piece and she gets to volume nine, which is which is where Nami and and, and Bellamere all, you know, obviously they have their sort of moment and their intense flashback. And she starts to to think about all the, the you know, the strong women in One Piece. And, and then the animation kicks in. And this time it's not necessarily a specific scene, but it goes through the sort of the timeline of all the amazing female characters in One Piece, starting with Yamato, or no, it starts with Hiyori, and then it goes to Yamato, which is which is crazy because this is the first time we actually get to see Yamato animated and voiced. And so it'll only be like another week or so before she's actually introduced in the anime, which is right now today, or I guess last weekend. But yeah, that's that short is the first time we got to see Yamato, and then and then it, it sort of goes from, uh, I believe it's uh, Perona, and then Boa Hancock, and then we get Olivia, and then Robin. It's and that transition was really cool to see because you see Olivia talking to Robin, and then we see the child version of Robin, and then she grows up to be the um, the older Robin, and then we ob- you know we get to Bellamere. And then obviously we we end on the female character of One Piece, Nami, and it just sort of sort of shows like all all the strong char- female characters in in One Piece and how awesome they are and how they do their own thing and like they they're just as strong as the the male characters. And yeah, it this is a really cool scene. And by reading One Piece, she sort of gets the inspiration that it's not just a guy's thing and she that you know a guy's thing to be to be ambitious and to challenge life and to, to go pursue their dreams like girls can do it too and yeah she gets inspired by this and moves out she leaves him leaves him a note and i love at the very end as she's walking um down the bridge you see her bag and she took all the one piece uh volumes with her and she she wants to finish reading it and i yeah that's really awesome and this one's and I'm not gonna lie, this one's my favorite one. And you know, obviously, I can't really relate to being a, a a girl or a female and what it's like living with those types of um, you know gender stereotypes and prejudices and whatnot. But the idea of wanting to dream big and then you know having One Piece be the thing that kind of spurs you on to believe that you can do anything is something that really applies to me. Like. When I saw that, I just thought to myself, yeah, this this is pretty much exactly how One Piece affected me as well. As a kid, like, 
I didn't think I could do anything. Like I was just a loser kid, or at least I thought I was, that was incapable of accomplishing anything or doing anything really. And through reading One Piece, like that's when I started to really believe that, yeah, I mean, who who cares if I can't do it? Like an impossible dream and going after it, that's what it's all about. And I really do relate to that sort of feeling of having having a dream, no matter how ridiculous it seems and how impossible it seems to you, that you just sort of go out and do it. And One Piece gave that to me. And I like how you, we see that with, with Minami here. And she she goes goes forth, leaves her deadbeat fiancé and, you know, works for her, works for her um, sweet shop. And it's it's awesome to see. And we get a little bit of a closure to this at, at the last episode too, which we'll get to. But yeah, this was my favorite one and, and seeing seeing that story play out. Alright, so scene three is called Mr. Kaito. And this follows a young boy who is transferred to a new school. And he is from Kansai, which is like the Kyoto, Osaka area, the basically the western side of Japan. And so a lot of people from that part of the, the region, they speak a specific dialect called Kansai, which sounds a bit different from your traditional Eastern Japanese. And he gets kind of like, I don't want to say made fun of, but sort of, you know, it's so it's so different that a lot of, stu- you know, other students like point it out and kind of want him to speak in the Kansai uh, dialect. And oh, oh, one thing, one thing that's kind of cool about this episode is the teacher at the very beginning is Tanaka Mayumi, which is the voice of Luffy. So she makes a cameo here in the third episode. And you even hear her in the background when all the kids start berating uh, Nishimura with, with all those questions. It's like she, she, she yells out, Nakama daro ga! Or something like that. Or Mina Nakama daro! And so, you know, obviously that's, that's Luffy, one of Luffy's like major catchphrases. And so you can kind of catch Luffy in the in the background kind of through uh Tanaka Mami. So that's really cool. And throughout the early goings of class, he's sort of kind of isolated and and looks really lonely. And then Mr. Kaito, he comes over and starts to sort of hang out with Nishimura and yeah, it, it's it's the start of a, a pretty cool sort of relationship between the two of them, kind of like a big brother sort of mentor type of relationship and he kind of like wants to get to know him and he's practicing Kansai Ben. And it, it's pretty, it, it's a really cool and touching moment to see him sort of slowly warm up to Kaito. And this is obviously themed around the whole relationship with Law and Korosong or Roshinante. And yeah, it's really cool. This this whole sequence of of Nishimura and Kaito sort of becoming close to each other and especially with the whole theming of Kaito trying to get him to smile we see them bond as he sort of Kaito wants to start to learn how to speak Kansai as well as he introduces um, Nishimura to One Piece and he gives him you know the first volume and and over time they he's you know Nishimura is reading all the way up to the Dress Rosa arc but right as he gets to that point, uh, Kaito lets him know that, you know, starting next spring that he's leaving the school and he'll be teaching at a school in, in the Kansai area. And of course, you know, being one of his only friends there, Nishimura gets angry at him and f- feels a little betrayed. And even though Kaito's offering him the in, in the entire rest of, one you know, the One Piece volumes before he leaves, he rejects them. 
and runs off. And this obviously hurts Kaito quite a bit. But over time, he Nishimura continues to read and gets to the point where we get to Law's past. And oh man, I mean, for, for those of you who know Law's past, it is, I would say it's the darkest one and the most sad one in my opinion it's up there with like nami chopper and doflamingo's pasts like i i honestly think it is the the saddest one but yeah you see you see the sort of the flashback with law contracting the the disease and, and then corazon doing whatever he can to try and heal law and to to bring some happiness and hope into his life again just like with what Kaito and Nishimura are doing. And then, yeah, we get to see that famous scene where where Corazon puts Law in the chest, puts the sound the, the sound barrier up so that he can't hear him, and then Doflamingo obviously shoots Corazon. And this scene is insane because of the fact that Doflamingo is Corazon's older brother, and that adds a whole nother layer. Because in, in Japan, like, your older brother or your older siblings... Your relationship to your siblings is a little bit more different than it is here in America. It's it's sort of like a much more formal relationship in that yeah, you're supposed your older siblings are supposed to protect your younger siblings. And the fact that Doflamingo, the older brother, shoots down and murders his younger brother is it hurts it it, it hurts differently because of that because you know that that relationship is much much deeper. And and I wish, I wish that they sort of left in the um the part where Corazon says you know where he smiles to to Law and then they they cut out the part where he says I did is it where he says you know I love you and I, I wish they had kept that part in though and I, I get that they may have not had enough time for that but there's just something about the the whole Twilight theme playing and then you see Law the the scene of where Law is is an adult attacking Doflamingo in Dress Rosa and just sort of him avenging Corazon against Doflamingo and yeah this this entire scene just brought a tear to my eye because it is it does invoke that memory of just how emotional Law's past was and reading that for the first time and seeing it in anime form is you know it was pretty crazy and I love that this is what finally snaps in in Nishimura's head that this is what you know Kaito was doing for him that he was trying to you know create some hope and create some happy memories and he realizes that yeah Kaito actually did really care for him even though that he can't always be there for him no matter what like that time that they spent together will always be there and yeah this spurs him on to to say his goodbyes to him as he leaves and he runs to the bus and you know, Kaito obviously is overwhelmed with emotion. And yeah, it's a really beautiful episode. This is my second favorite of the series. Um, easily, like, really rewatchable and just really, you know, with Nishimura with that goofy smile. And it's like that forced smile that he's trying to do. Yeah, I really like this one. Alrighty, so scene four. The fourth episode is titled Rivalry Between Nagi and Mai. And yeah, this follows two, I, I would assume, high school girls, um, Mai and Nagi. They are both ballet dancers, and it, it seems like they are trying out or competing for a spot in a Russian school. And so, you know, whoever gets that spot gets to go to, to Russia in this sort of this overseas ballet program. 
that they both really want to go in to sort of further their ballet careers. But it appears that uh, Mai is the only one that actually gets accepted to the program, whereas Nagi does not. And so she has to stay behind in Japan. And I think Nagi feeling a little bitter and fearing that they can't be friends anymore, she kind of preemptively looks to try and cut ties with Mai to avoid the pain of saying goodbye. But Mai force, forces her through the scene of Vivi's farewell that even though they'll be apart, they're, all, they're always going to still be great friends no matter the distance. And this obviously invokes that scene, the famous scene in at the end of Alabasta where Vivi says her goodbyes to to the straw hats and, and they do the famous lifting of the left arm and showing the cross tattoo. And this scene is animated beautifully. I mean, for one, like the lighting is so much better than any other previous version that they've animated. Because they've animated this particular scene quite a few times in flashbacks, the original one, and they also did the episode of Alabasta. But I think this is easily the most beautiful looking one because the way they do the lighting is amazing. Like, because of the sunlight, they make certain parts really bright. But then you can also see the the light from the waves and the water refracting on like, especially like you look at Luffy when he's sort of crouched on top of the the banister or the the guardrail of the back of the Mary, you see like the water refraction on his clothes, which is insane. And obviously they get Misa Watanabe to reprise her role as Vivi again. And she just absolutely knocks it out of the park yet again. And yeah, I, I mean, obviously you all know that this is like one of my favorite scenes in all of the series. And I love that they themed an episode around this particular moment about, yeah, that, you know, even though you're friends, you grow apart. And you may not be close to them and hang out with them all the time. That doesn't change the fact that you're still friends. And that no matter how much the distance is, that you'll always still remain really good friends. And that's something that, yeah, a lot of people come across. Especially, you know, high school kids who who are getting ready to go off to college. Or after you graduate college and, you know, you make friends throughout your college experience. But also, like, I'm finding, yeah, as an adult. That happens more and more and more. As you get older, you just sort of lose touch or people move because of jobs or new family members or new significant others. And yeah, you you do miss them and you wish you could hang out with them. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to be great friends and that you can't stay, you know, connected with them in some way. And whenever you do meet again, you know, that'll be a really special time. But I also really love the fact that they end on the fact that Nagi not only is hopeful that they'll see each other again, but she's dead set on surpassing Mai in terms of of skill and adding to that sort of layer of like having a dream. And which is kind of like a, a theme that runs through all of these. And of course, it runs through these because that's basically the main theme of One Piece is having these impossible dreams and working towards those. And I think this one really exemplifies that as well. This is probably my fourth favorite um, of the four. So it's not as good as the previous three, but it's still a really good one. And it has some really beautiful like ballet choreography and sort of filming too. I forgot to mention that because throughout this entire thing, they're, they're basically dancing for most of this episode. And the way it's shot, the way it's lit and how they're running through the city, like it all looks really beautiful. And then we get to the final scene five. This one actually has no title, 
And this is essentially the culmination of the series where it's revealed that they were all connected. And each of the main characters from the previous four scenes, I guess, are in fact all family. They're brothers and sisters. And the episode starts off with their parents where the father is preparing a sort of a celebration, a birthday celebration for his wife and the mother of the four characters that we saw in the first four scenes. And she is in a straw hat and she's essentially like Luffy, sort of this eccentric and carefree and very upbeat and positive lady. And we don't get to see her um, quite yet as she's asleep, but we, we slowly find out that each of the members of the first four scenes were all family members and one by one and yeah it's really cool to see that they were all connected and they all went out and bought volume 100 and so by the you know by the time they all meet they realize that they have four copies of one piece volume 100 and obviously this episode kind of invokes the theme or lessons of family and this idea that that the crew is family and this family is basically like the crew. And I love how throughout the episode, it highlights each member's moment where they join the crew. And they sort of adjust it a little bit, you know, especially like Sanji's introduction. Like he doesn't say his famous like, or I'll join you on this road to the Pirate King. But yeah, I think all of these are be- animated beautifully, like seeing each moment where the crew joins and sort of cementing them as a family and this whole theme of family is really present in this episode and it yeah it works really well and seeing them just sort of be happy with each other and celebrating and then we see the crew celebrating at the very end and poignantly ending on a painting drawn by the mother of the family which is pretty you know on point and if i know you know at the risk of sounding pretentious you know one piece is a work of art and yeah i mean at this point one piece is amazing like obviously you know that i love this series but it kind of goes beyond that and it's insane to think you know over 24 years 100 volumes you know i've been following this series for almost 20 years i think yeah 21 years and it's it's been a big part of my life and and it's such a special thing. And it's just like, thank you to Eiichiro Oda for writing and working so hard to create this and bring this amazing world and story to us all. And I can't be the only one, and I know I'm not the only one, that this story has touched in such a positive way. And yeah, I mean, for me, it is easily the single greatest positive influence on my life. You know, I've, I've, I've obviously had some great people and great experiences in my life, but honestly, I don't think I would have been able to be where I am today without One Piece. It's just that simple. Like, it's changed my whole way of thinking from a very, like, pessimistic and negative mindset to sort of being open to chase my dreams and to believe that I can do things that I never thought I could do. And even to this day, you know, when you're struggling you just, you just got to continue to fight and believe that you can overcome whatever, you, you know, you're faced with. And I can't tell you the number of times where, you know, you've had bad things happen to you or bad things happen to me in my life. And One Piece has always been there. It's the constant that sort of has helped me, you know, refocus and look at things in a more positive way 
and all the lessons that One Piece has taught, you know, taught me and, and really helped me to, to become the person I am and, and be a, a force for, you know, positive, you know, energy and, and whatnot. And I, yeah, I think these five episodes really capture that really well in terms of like how, how One Piece can affect a person. And that's why I'm so passionate about like wanting people to to read or watch One Piece because I honestly do think it's such a positive experience. I mean, it's not just like a good story. Like it's fun and it's great entertainment, but I just think One Piece provides so much more and I think that's why it's the best-selling manga and almost like one of the best-selling comic books in the world. And I just wish it had more wide appeal, especially here in the U.S. And because it's so good in not just entertainment, but it's so good in terms of, you know, how it can make you feel, the positive impact it can have on a person. And obviously, I know that it can differ from person to person. And some people don't really relate to One Piece. But I just, I have a really hard time not seeing how you could get into One Piece and not come out of it a better person or at least feel better about yourself and about your world and, you know, wanting to be a force for positivity. And so, yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, congratulations to Eiichiro Oda and thank you very much. And I know One Piece is seemingly wrapping up and it's in its final stages, but hopefully there's still several more years to come because I honestly don't know a world without One Piece. But yeah, thanks for sitting here and listening to me ramble on and on about One Piece and and the sort of the We Are One celebration that's been going on over the last week. But yeah, next week we'll get back to our normal episodes and I will go through episodes 159 through 161. But yeah, if you did enjoy this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on the journey of re-watching One Piece, please consider subscribing. You can also check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Podcast for updates on when I post new episodes or see some pictures of my manga collection. But yeah, with that, I will see you on the next episode. Bye.